got nine lives Going keep up, got some more Don't pray for your mercy Save time for your life and don't stop trying Listen up, put your hands up You gotta fight your nightmare Gotta protect yourself Gotta get down, fight this pressure You gotta get down, fight your own world You tag your worst nightmare A girl soldier that's living in this world That's right, your worst nightmare A girl soldier that's living in this world That's right, so close your eyes And play the game and I'll make you fight Come on, it's a team, no way out She's so good, you can't trick it Baby, it's the world so fast So she can't see me Come on now, you know I got my blood intact I'll watch you through my veins Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast. I am your co-host, uh, Neve, and I'm joined by your other co-host, Connor. Welcome, everybody. Um, and we are on the Export Audio Network. I always try to say that and then often forget. Um, and today we are talking about Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Solid State Society, which um, the Japanese title has, like, you know, Ghost in the Shell is, like, more of an, an I think it was like used as a subtitle for one thing, but um, I forget exactly what it translates to the like actual Japanese title of these things, but it's like mobile police unit or something. Um, the like Kokaku Kidotai. Um, but then they have in the Japanese title, just like all cap standalone complex and then lowercase um, solid state society. Um, but it, in English, we just get a colon there and then we get a, a hyphen. So there's lots of titles going on. Continuing the second gig tradition of messing with punctuation uh, yeah. to make some kind of point. Um, and this is sometimes referred to as just SSS, like that happens during the the um, the logo, like the title sequence, and there's the part where it like shows the title, and there's a big SSS in the back. 
um, for solid state society in the way that people say SAC. I feel like SSS never quite caught on in the same way, but um, yeah, there's too much sibilance there. That's yeah. just it doesn't roll off. It's it doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, um, and I actually ended up looking into this more, and then I just like saw that it was mentioned um in the wikipedia article too after i did like actual research into this stuff um so when it was first under production it was very unclear if it was going to be like uh an ova that would be direct to video or would it actually be a film in theaters or this be like a made for tv movie uh so it's kind of just like produced as a a movie that could be on whatever um, and then it did debut as a ta- uh, TV movie. Uh, first, it was on a, a like satellite pay per view, and then um, ended up being on. I think there's like a different satellite channel in. Um, yeah, let me let me double check these again. So uh, two thousand in two thousand six, it was pay per view on Sky Perfect V, like Perfect TV. Um, <laughs> And then uh, the following year, May 27th, it just aired on, like, you know, broadcast satellite television. Um, And that was on Animax. um, And then came out on DVD. And then, uh, like, nine months after coming out on DVD in Japan... um, it was released in the U.S., um, including around the time that the the DVD came out in the U.S., uh, there was also Sci-Fi Channel started its Annie Monday programming and um, showed it there, which may have been... So, like, I have, like, had very, very vague memories of this. I knew that I had seen it, unlike you with uh, 08MS Team, um, but, like, if somebody had, before I watched it for this, been, like what is the plot of solid state society? I would be like, I have no fucking clue. (laughs) Um, And there are, there are things that like, when we were talking about, um, when we were recording the, our first season where we talked about the first season of um, ghost in the shell standalone complex, I, I even talked about how I had this idea that is not actually how second gig ended that second gig like ended unambiguously the major leave section nine. And I think I got that from having then seen this movie at some point. Um, and I don't think I ever rented it. So I, I think I saw it on TV, which may have been sci-fi or maybe they showed it some somewhere else. But, um, but yeah, so, I wonder when, so this uh, is, I wonder when sci-fi channel stopped, like how long the Anna Monday thing last lasted for, because I watched mm-hmm. uh, a lot of sci-fi channel uh, as we've discussed on, on the pod before. Um, and I don't think I ever encountered it. Um, um, so it must have been like it so, must not have lasted long. Um. So Anna Monday started in June two thousand seven is is when it began. It was a late night block, um, and it the again the first thing that they showed was this movie. Um, and then in February, 2008, they started also airing Tuesday nights. Um, it was still a late night block. Um, and then 
in July of 2009, Anna Monday also began airing on Chiller Network, which I don't know if I've ever heard of. Yeah, Chiller is like, I, I've, I've seen it. Um, it's like sci-fi channel, but for horror movies, for like horror stuff, basically. And I don't know if that still exists either, but it was like on some cable packages. Yeah. And then in March 2011, it got moved to Thursday nights and it ended in June 2011. Okay. Um, so now that, now that I'm thinking about it more, I think it was probably, it was, I had probably stopped watching sci-fi channel by the time that yeah. it started happening. Cause I was watching it in like, let's see if I can do math. Um, No, I can't. If this was June 2007, there's actually a decent chance that I watched this while home from university at my parents' house. Because I didn't get, like, cable or anything in university. Um, See, I was, like, I graduated high school in 2011. So I'm trying to work my way back from that. Yeah. And... Here, here's a list of while you do the math in your head, some other things that they showed on Anna Monday or whatever okay. day of the week. Good, this is going to take um, me a second. Dead Leaves, Gundam Double O, um, Grand Lagan, uh, Kaido Maru, Monster, um, Noean, or yeah, Noean, Now and Then, Here and There, um, Rave Master, Tactics. And Chrono Crusade. Interesting. Some, some that, that almost sounds like Chrono Cross, just in case you want to talk about Chrono Cross again. Let me give you a smooth segue there. Yeah. I mean, we are recording this, like, earlier this week, I think, is when the... Or, like, very late last week, um, the, the Chrono Cross remaster came out. Um... We should get to the movie soon, but I, I just want to say to, to people... So, Chrono Cross is one of my favorite games. I highly recommend playing it. And if the remaster is, like, the only way that you can feasibly play it, go ahead and play it on that. Um, I did get it because I just want to support everything Chrono Cross and, like, anything that can play games, I would like to have Chrono Cross on it if I can. Um, I got the Switch version, but it's by most accounts seems to run very similar to the PS5 version. Um, and the, the backgrounds in particular, they did this AI upscaling on them that makes them just like really, really ugly. Um, they did not train the AI upscaling to like actually contend with, because since like Chrono Cross looks really beautiful if you play it on a CRT, because they are specifically designing it for the pixels to like mix in the process of being projected. And so there's like really, really, really advanced dithering that's happening. Um, that's like beyond like the basic idea of dithering, which like, if you kind of know dithering in general, is this like a concept you're familiar with Connor? Um, uh, no, not at all. <laughs> so like in it, and it's like most basic form. Um, like if you look up dithering, I, I would say one, like if you think about black and white dithering, um, it's like pointillism where you're like doing a bunch of little black dots. And if you have like thicker, like if you have more dots in an area, it becomes blacker. If you have less dots in an area, it becomes whiter. 
And then using purely black and white data, like purely just pixels on a screen, you can create a grayscale image because the density of like how many black versus white dots are in like okay. each little section yeah. of the, the screen, you know, um, it's like perceived by your eye as like, yeah, gradations. Um, and this can be done with like doing really, um, really like complex gradients and, and like effects where especially when you do it well with pixel art and then it goes onto a CRTV, uh, CRT, like television, um, the, the way that it is like firing light at the screen and that like, you know, um, those colors mix and they sort of impact by having these like very complex things, you are actually getting it to like blend in a way where you can get a, a, a sense of more detail than actually even can like exist with the, the, um, information that you have. Um, in the same way that, like, if you watch a, a television show that's, like, human beings, your brain is actually kind of, especially on CRT, filling in a lot of those details um, because you're, like, familiar with how faces are and the way that the light is mixing, the way that it is, like, firing is such that you are getting, like, more complex colors because it's, like, it, it's mixing red, green, and blue when it fires those, those lights at the screen. Um, but then it can like create all sorts of different shades and then you can like get these really basically like you see it on a CRTV screen and it looks very good. Like the, the, the gradients really work. It like suggests detail that like actually isn't even in there in the pixels. Um, and the way that this gets upscaled is that like the dithering stuff, it then just mistakes as like lines and things. And so everything has like this weird warbled wrinkle, like wrinkled texture almost because of how they upscaled it. And they didn't like properly teach the, the AI. They didn't like properly feed it, um, the data images. And then like, here are example images of how you should be interpreting this. Um, which is like a, a thing that actually takes time to like, to, um, to do and this is just like an issue with the way that square has been doing these remasters in general i wish that they were either like taking the money that they are putting into these to like actually build really good ai upscaling for the games that they're doing or put that money into just like creating really good things that are like duplicating like a really good crt filter so that people can just kind of like how can we do that and then put it onto like a big screen like a, a you know hd screen um to get that effect but, um, yeah, so I, I think it like honestly looks worse than like the raw data. Um, my biggest recommendation is, um, so with the, like the 3DS eShop closing, um, I decided that I would hack my 3DS so that I could like play stuff on there. Um, because at a certain point it's just going to be like impossible for me to, you know, legally purchase any games anyway. And so I kind of wanted to like put in that back safe. And for the, the 3DS, um, you have to actually download uh, Pokemon Picross to like do an exploit. So I made sure to do that before like the eShop closed. But then I was like, while I'm doing it, I'll also hack my, my PSP and my Vita just so I can like also have those be able to access games without having to like just do secondary markets where stuff gets marked really, really high up sometimes. Um, and I've just been playing like playstation one games on my psp lately and they look fucking great on that screen so if you have a psp it's extremely easy to hack 
And uh, honestly, I think it's like the best little portable thing to play Chrono Cross on. So I would recommend that. Like, go buy the remaster so that you like gave money to Square or whatever, if, if that's like what you need to do. But then just like hack a PSP and play it on there or like get a, the ROM and emulate it on your computer and like put a good CRT filter on it. Um, it's going to look so much better than the remaster does. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't think you were actually going to do it. <clears throat> when I when I like baited you to talk about Chrono Cross, um, I'm just doing a public service it. announcement here. Yeah, no, so, I mean I I didn't know that the remaster just came out. I like, yeah, that was yeah. a that was a, uh, and that I like um, just hacked my portable my old portable consoles and yeah, that's just like podcasting duo intuition right there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I it, it did take me like up until the very end of of what you of the Chrono Cross like tangent, but I finally calculated it. Um, I think probably like two thousand two thousand two or two thousand three to two thousand five were like my prime sci fi channel years. Yeah, um, maybe like t- tailing into two thousand six a little bit. Um, but so, did you? With that in mind, it, it makes sense that I, I may not have. Yeah. Did you ever watch the Dune series, the the Dune TV miniseries? I did not. Okay. Watched a lot of Stargate SG One though. Um, I should try and see if Emily wants to watch the the Children of Dune or whatever, because we. On stairwells, we developed terms for these, so it's the Dooney series, but there was a, a sci-fi original. This was 2000, I guess. Where you developed um, terms for each iteration of the Dune like media yeah. franchise? So, so the the David Lynch one is just Dune. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> if you're like talking about like you know audiovisual like movie TV show stuff, then there's the Dooney series which is Frank Herbert's Dune from, from 2000 on the sci-fi channel. If you're talking about the, the sequel, you can just say the children of Dune or whatever it's called. Um, that's fine. Um, then there's noon, which is the, the new Dune, the one that mm-hmm. came out very recently. And then part two that we're still waiting on is tune. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That, that works. Um, that should be like on the on the Wikipedia for the yeah. the Wikipedia entry for the Dune franchise. Has someone contacted the Dune fandom about this? Um, someone should. Listener, yeah, they should. Uh, find the the Dune fandom and let them know. Um. So you were um, talking about the production, the air, the like release of Solid State Society. Yeah. My my point was basically just like it was technically a made for TV movie. I think it is kind of. I thought that it was an OVA because um, I think a lot of people have like watched it as like a, you know, that's probably how a lot of people in Japan watched it because the other ones were like on satellite TV that might be less widely accessible and things. Um, and when I just watched it on TV, I figured it was that. But anyway, do we want to do the synopsis? This has been quite the digression. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, I will start here. And once again, I've pulled this from from Wikipedia. So, um, 
feel free to chime in with any objections as I go. <laughs> uh, in in twenty thirty four, two years after the events of Second Gig, Public Security Section Nine is investigating a string of mysterious suicides by refugees from the Syak Republic. Um, just a, a quick little. We always do content warnings for each episode. Um, I'm just going to say up front here, just in case people don't check that we are going to talk about suicide a lot, including like a scenario where someone is like put in a situation of having to like make that choice or else like lose their child. Uh, so I just want to like put that at the forefront before we go any further. Um, so they're investigating a string of mysterious suicides by refugees from the Syak Republic. Chief Aramaki conducts a raid to arrest the refugee dictator, only to find him already dead. In retaliation, a Sayak operative plans a terrorist attack with a micromachine virus. Bato is sent to intercept the Sayak operative and encounters Kusanagi, who is conducting her own investigation. Um, was it mentioned for, yet that she's left Section 9? No, like for context, like <clears throat> Kusanagi has left Section 9 and Togusa is now like leading yeah. section nine or at least like in, in Kusanagi's like position. Yeah. It's kind of become fractured where uh, Togus is in Kusanagi's like official position. And then Bato is kind of the one who is like brooding and like following his gut and intuition and like doing that side of things. Um, but then yeah, it Bato's is commented upon cannon. that, like, yeah, Bato's become, like, the loose cannon. Togus is, like, the the person in control. And the Major was, like, kind of both of these things at once in a weird way, where it just, like, worked. Um, although it is commented on later on that, um, like, they're just doing way more cases. Like, they're, they're just a police organization now. They're just, like, yeah. solving more and more cases, but they're just, like, often simpler cases. Um, anyway... Uh, so, uh, Bato encounters Kusanagi, uh, who has left Section 9, um, and is conducting her own in- investigation. Before they can apprehend, uh, apprehend the operative, um, he dies while attacking them. Um, some of this is, like, weirdly uh, are abbreviated for how much more it's going to go into detail about other things. But um, I guess a lot of this stuff at the beginning with the, like whole political thing is almost like a, a fake out to get to the real mystery. Yeah. Um, yeah. The plot of this film is a little bit, um, is a little bit strange in that way. It reminded me in some way, like it makes sense to me that this, this is standalone complex in that I could see the episode that is about them trying to like the, like one or two episodes about them trying to deal with like this political case involving you know these like refugees and things and then in the process they uncover more stuff towards the main mystery um but since it's a movie it it, like it almost has that structure of like i could kind of see this being there's another reason why i thought it was an ova because i could see how this could have been released as like two parts and then yeah i condensed into one or something um but anyway um Kusanagi takes a case of virus ampules and warns Bato to stay away from the solid state society before leaving. That's the name of the movie. (laughs) 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 Pointing at the screen. Um, Section nine operatives develop a theory that a hacker known as the puppeteer. um, And then this is a helpful Wikipedia provides this. I knew this as well, but like uh, it has the specific things here of, um, puppeteer here is the Japanese word, uh, 
uh, Kukitsuma Washi, which is literally like a puppet spinner. And it, this is very different than the um, puppet master terminology, which was Ningyo Zukai, which literally means like doll handler. Um, it's it's important to note here that like Ningyo has like very close connections to the Japanese words. Like the nin here is very similar to like what is just like the base talking about a person. Um, so there's also like, yeah, like Ningen. Ningen Nante. Um, Ningen Nante <laughs> But yeah, so the puppeteer... Um, who's responsible for Sayak agents forced suicides. Um, and then Togusa discovers 16 kidnapped children who are intended carriers of the virus. All of the children is, are listed as the children of uh, noble rot senior citizens, quote unquote, <laughs> which um, the synopsis kind of just like applies as the, the given term. I feel like it's kind of a, it's one of those things where there's like a slang term. Someone will refer to a thing by, but like everyone kind of uses it. Um, but this like noble rot senior citizen thing is, is basically like a, a network that was supposed to like enrich the lives of senior citizens who don't like have actual family taking care of them, um, and are kind of like alone. It's like to, to provide them some access to connectivity with other people. Um, and then kind of got derided as this noble rot because that like, just being able to be on the net with like all of your other old people seem to encourage people to just stay in bed and, you know, rot in that sense, like not actually like be out doing things that might keep their body going in that way. And to kind of just like fall into just being on the internet all the time, hanging out with all of their other old people, friends on Facebook. Um, yeah. There's also an aspect of this, <clears throat> I think where it's like, the network, like the quote-unquote noble rot network, is like created by the state as like part yeah. of like a kind of social safety net. But yes, it has since like, um, like become winnowed down. Um, so there's like this, this like dent of it being like a bare minimum or like low quality, like elder care. Yeah, uh, that is like you know. That like, oh, it's a state program, but it's like the it's bare minimum, like low quality. So it results in all of these people just like being barely kept alive. Yeah. Um, one one thing I thought was kind of like weird. So there are parts where they're talking about like these children on the Noble Rot senior citizens, and they mention like it includes a, a person in like a an extremely small, like, you know, ten by ten, like single room apartment. Um, who's just like in there as well as like an extremely wealthy man who would have like money for all of these nurses who are, who's on it. Um, and there's a part of me where I'm like from an American context, I would just expect that like the extremely wealthy guy would have the nurses in the like open backed aprons and the thongs. Like we see the, the one old guy, um, and yeah. would not like. His name is be using this like low grade, like kind of derided uh, safety net thing. But I don't know if this is just like a, a cultural context thing, because I'm assuming that just in general, Japan probably has like some of the stuff is like more broader, more broadly nationalized um, in the way that like. I, I almost wonder if it's a thing of like uh, social security is like, I mean, for my generation and like our generation, it's probably not going to be anything because everything's fucked but um 
like lots of people are probably pulling from that even if they're like wealthy just because it's a thing that's do them but there's like a then jump to like actually using the service if it's like this really low grade thing that i don't fully understand but anyway yeah i see it being as like it i mean yeah you're right there's definitely some like japanese context that i'm sure we're not like fully understanding but it it seems like akin to like medicare in the sense that like you know very wealthy people will also take like parts of medicare um but then also like if you um anyway if you have uh, section nine begins to suspect a larger uh, did you drop Uh, out for a second yeah i did okay I was I was starting the rest of the synopsis. I Go will continue. Um, so section nine begins to suspect a larger conspiracy um, when the noble rat citizens are part. Oh, the the children listed as children of noble rat citizens um, are part of a larger body of twenty thousand children. Soon afterwards, the puppeteer causes the disappearance of the sixteen children. Um, and Bato reveals to Togusa that he believes Kusanagi to be the puppeteer. Uh, this is like a, a big running thing throughout this. Um, that was also, you know, heavily alluded to in some of the stuff earlier. That was very briefly glossed over with the whole fight with the guy who was attacking Kusanagi and Bato and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> anyway, um, section nine next intercepts a Sayak sniper who is targeting the supposed mastermind of Kaurum's assassination. Um, after his capture, it is revealed the informant and the target are one in the same. The sniper says that the puppeteer is a mechanism of the solid state and cannot be killed. Um, I'll just, I'll just add like it, it, so the, the synopsis says the informant and the target are one in the same, like, Mm-hmm. There is, like, the informant meaning, like, a person, like, leaked information to the sniper, being like, hey, this guy is the guy who, like, assassinated Karum. Yeah. And then, like, the guy that that person said was, like, responsible, like, the the person who arranged the assassination and the target are, are the same. Yeah. Um, just um, for clarity. And then Bato's like, that doesn't make sense. Are you are you like sure that you aren't also just being like played by the puppeteer? And the guy's like, Oh, you know what? Now <laughs> that you mention <laughs> Yeah. Now that you mention it. Um that guy. also by the way, the solid state puppeteers the mechanism of the solid state, cannot be killed. Bato's like, What the fuck's the solid state? You mean it's not human? And he's like, yeah, it's the whole like network that all the old people are connected to. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna <laughs> die now. Uh, after after we did a repeat of the the duel that we saw with Saito and the major of the bullets flying past each other. Um, this is a great action sequence, though. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like like sit, like throw in this great like sniper duel like action sequence. In um, like it, it's barely even like tethered into the plot of this film, but they just like. Yeah. smash it in here and it's great what this is just a slight like digression before i f- finish my section of the synopsis here um 
when I was going to pull the synopsis, I did notice at the very beginning of the like Wikipedia article, it says the film received generally positive reviews, but was criticized for being dialogue heavy and lacking in action. And I'm like, Oh, you mean like ghost in the shell? (laughs) 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 Like, you know, ghost in the shell stuff where people talk for a really long time. And then you get a brief action scene and then there's more people like debating politics or like political theory. And then you get like another like brief moment of hyper violence. And then like someone contemplates existence for a while. (laughs) Yeah. It's Um, like someone like didn't watch the end of ghost in the shell standalone complex season one. (laughs) At all. Um, Anyway, um, where where was I here? Okay, Togusa tracks down yeah. one of the missing Togusa children. tracks down one of the missing children now assigned to an elderly man in the Noble Rot program. Togusa tries to take the child. The man awakens and demands the child be left with him, uh, as he had named the child as his sole heir. He would rather give his assets to a child off the street and to protect them from abuse than have his assets turned over to the government upon his death. Um, this is important for other later explanations about what's going on. Uh, the man then immediately dies after warning, uh, warning Togusa not to inf- interfere with the will of the solid state. Uh, everyone <laughs> keeps saying this. <laughs> um, later, Togusa receives a call from the puppeteer uh, who hacks his brain and forces him to drive to a cyberbrain implant hospital with his daughter. I just um, want to say, before we go into more detail here, um, one, there's just multiple, like, early in the movie, Togusa calls his wife and is like, how old is our daughter now? And she's like, six. And Togusa's like, dang, six. Uh, wow. anyway, back to this case where I'm looking into, like, this, the serial kidnapping of six-year-olds. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, before I go back to it, why don't you send over the internet a po- photo of my child so I can make it my phone wallpaper? Um. And then there's the part where he, like, gets the phone call from the wife that's like, oh, no, she's missing. And he, like, runs there and it, you know, becomes a clearer part of this, like, plot to hack him and have him drive. Um, But he goes and picks her up and is like, okay, I'll take her to school. And then she just sits in the front seat without, like, a car seat. And just, like, like, maybe maybe seatbelts are just of such quality now that this is fine i was just watching this as a person who like has had to multiple times rearrange how like a car seat is because my child has gotten to a different weight limit um and there's like parts of the car that you're supposed to be and i get like surveys from the pediatrician being like we like want to know about car safety blah 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 tell us about stuff with the child in the car i'm just like toka so what the fuck are you doing (laughs) yeah i think Um, i think cyberization is just like progressed to such a point now like <laughs> he could just drive perfectly so there's just no need right mm-hmm. car accidents just don't happen um of course yeah um but We've yeah definitely so, never seen car accidents in this show anyway <laughs> no def- definitely not um but so all of that and then this whole thing that you're talking about um just me having parent feelings i was just like bawling watching it the first time yeah um, yeah um, i watched it twice before this recording so but the first time i was bawling the second time i i was like more prepared but um yeah were you like bawling in like tears or in laughter in in tears i was like like just thinking about the scenario of someone being like you have to like 
either kill yourself or like we are oh, going to okay. to like you know kidnap your child into like who knows what horrible situation um i was just like this is fucked up in a way that like i just was not as a parent emotionally ready to suddenly see while laughing at tokusa for like how he's putting his his kid into his car seat like (laughs) yeah yeah so you're talking yeah so you're talking about the whole like tokusa arc here Mm -hmm. um it was like i I think specifically some of the whiplash from like the way we talk about tokusa yeah, the way we talk about Togusa and the way that he's just like kind of being like a, a like not in a way where I'm like this is like absolute terrible parenting where but it like in this like kind of jokey bad dad where I'm like Togusa, what are you doing? Um and then it just like hard veers into like you're going to lose your child or you can kill yourself and like hope that they'll be okay now. Um and it's just like god damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um this would not yeah. have worked on me if I didn't have a child, but I do. And so now it's working on me and I'm mad about it. <laughs> I think there's not a that lot mad more, about it, but um, I think there's a lot more that we can like say about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way that like Togusa becomes a central figure, obviously um, in this film. And he has a character arc that is like very um, clearly positioned as like important um, and like tied in with a lot of these themes that we're going to talk about, I think. Yeah. Um, but like his like neglect of his family um, for like, and, and the various like things that his family, his family and then like potentially family as such like comes to represent um, versus like his association with section nine um and his like commitment to that um yeah. culminating in like this this choice that he has to make um like i haven't seen 2045 i know that Togusa is a divorced guy in that and watching this movie i was like okay i fully see how Togusa becomes like in standalone complex yeah. like and second gig there's some moments where it's like okay like Togusa doesn't seem to be like super around because he's like working all the time and on cases his family doesn't like really know what he's doing um and seems like he still like has kind of a happy home life he's just like not there enough and so i'm like especially in season one for sure yeah and then i'm just like i guess i can see how you get there but like man that's like that's kind of bleak and then i watched this and i was like oh yeah i could see how like after a, a, a while of this his wife would just be like yeah i like you have to either choose me or your job and Togusa being like, well, gotta be in section nine. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh hopefully we like revisit this later or maybe it'll come up in twenty forty five. Um we will we at some about... point do arise in twenty forty five. Um I'm not super looking forward to it, but we're gonna do it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well and maybe we should just like say what we need to say here so that yeah. you know if, in case we don't remember later on. Um, but we've talked about like how this series deals with, um, portraying how like ideology and like institutions, um, like change people, um, or like, um, and like (coughs) it like impolite people or like, um, you know, whatever, however you want to like, 
um, like define this dynamic. Um, and I think one of the, one of the kind of rewarding things about like getting deeper into the franchise is that there's an arc of this happening with Togusa. Um, that only begins to be like realized. Um, I I would say like specifically like in this film, um, it's, it's building through the other like stuff that we've looked at. Um, but it, it takes center stage in this film. Um, and it sounds like it can, I haven't seen 2045 yet, but it sounds like it, it continues to play out. Um, so anyway, okay. All that said back to the plot. Yeah. Um, so Togusa receives a call. He thinks it's from his wife, but it's really like a robocall from the puppeteer. Um, he drives home and like, you know, basically everything you said, um, it's like, Oh, well now I'm, I'm concerned for my daughter's safety. Cause I got this call. It turned out to be fake. Like I'm so relieved, but now like, you know, in this moment, like I'm realizing like how important my family is. So like, I'm just going to, you know, drive my daughter to, to school and like spend some time with her. Um, and so like he does this and then in the course of like doing this his cyber brain is hacked, um, like completely. So the puppeteer is now like controlling his body. Um, in the course of, uh, takes him to the cyber brain implant hospital. Um, further context needed here. Um, at this point, I think they've discovered that the, um, all of the children in order to like be abducted, um, and like slotted into these like positions, um, like with the noble rod senior citizens, um, they're, they've all been like cyberized, um, and they can't figure out how this like has happened. Um, especially without like any complaint. Yeah, because at um, that age, they would need, like, there'd need to be parental signature for it to happen. Yeah, and, and none of the parents, like, remember, or, like, it, none of the abductions have been, like, reported, um, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, like, you know, in this moment, like, Toga, where he's driving his own daughter there, um, he realizes that, like, this is how this has happened. Um, so he drives her to the Cyberbrain Implant Hospital. Um, she's like going to be taken in for the surgery and then thereafter, like uh, taken away from him. Um, the puppeteer and Togus are like conversing throughout this, um, sequence and Togus is given the option to either commit suicide, um, like right there in the hospital or lose his daughter to the solid state. Um, he chooses to kill himself, um, but is saved at the last second by Kusanagi um, who a has, um, been tailing them this entire time, like more or less planning for this. Yeah. Um, and then B like identifies the puppeteer, um, as a rhizome, uh, which maybe we will like, this is something that's a little bit more fleshed out in the film than in the plot synopsis. Yeah. Um, but, uh, a rhizome like formed of, formed by the collective consciousness of the noble rot senior citizens. Um, and like that, that is like centralized in this like government, um, like ministry. Yeah. Um, so this is the explanation that 
is offered by Kusanagi at this point. Um, the scene is funny too because Bato is like beginning to suspect something is wrong um, because Togus is like cut off from communications. Um, and so is like trying to go and save and is, you know, a little too late, but then the major's there um, and, and, you know, saves everyone. Um, and Bato's like, I can't believe that you would use like Togusa and his kid as like bait to try and draw out the puppeteer and do this. Um, and she's like, I'd save guards. Like, what do you, what's your problem? <laughs> Yeah. This is the most like major moment of like, I was in control. Why are you mad? <laughs> yeah, everything's in typical fine in major the end. fashion. Yeah, um, but yeah, like Bato. There's a whole like slow mo sequence of Bato like running down the hall to try to like save Togusa and like not being there in time. And um, I don't think we have to dwell on this sequence any longer. But yeah, um, yeah. So that's this all happens. Um, at this point, like. Bato and Togusa and Kusanagi are like, okay, like, we're all, like, on this case. We're doing the same thing. Um, and Kusanagi's just like, okay, yeah, like, you know, I'll rejoin temporarily. Um, it's basically like, you know, it's like when these, like, a band that's broken up, they go on tour and then they're like, oh, like, you know, for this show, like, we're going to have the old guitarist come back and he, like, he's going to play with us for this show. And then yeah. it's like, Oh, but it's like for three shows now. And then eventually they're just like, yeah, we're releasing another album. Um, yeah. they just like fully get back together. Um, this is like a total, like, Hey, you know, we're in New York. Like we're playing a show in New York. I know you live in New York. Like, come on, come play with us. Um, yeah. So Kusanagi like temporarily rejoined section nine for like one more concert. Um, and confirms that, uh, Ito Mune, uh, an influential politician, uh, was behind the assassination of General Karum. Um, so this um, is the guy. A, yeah, this is the guy that the, the sniper was trying to assassinate. Yeah. So, like, yeah, um, we, we have seen him before. Um, so confirmed that he, that he was the one. Um, she also confirms that Mune and other politicians um, use, like, so this was omitted uh, in the prior sentence, but Mune is also, like, in charge of um, either, like, this ministry or, like, a, a department of this ministry um, that is, like, it's like the Ministry of Health or something. Um, and... Uh, that also like houses the Novorot um, system. Um, but uh, Kusanagi reveals that Mune and other politicians of his faction uh, also use this ministry as a front for a brainwashing facility um, to create an elite group of pure-blooded Japanese to take control of the country in the next generation and lead it into Mune's vision of a new golden age. Um, yeah, just so fascism. A lot, yeah, basically. Um, we'll probably have more to say about this yeah. um the solid state um in turn decided to eliminate mune for interfering in its plans um but uh mune was ignorant of the origin of the abduction infrastructure so this like section of the plot synopsis makes no sense um basically uh it like mune is not like fully aware of like all the stuff that the solid state and the puppeteer are doing. Um, 
even though like it is emergent from like the like infrastructure of the ministry that he runs he's like running this complete other like project involving abducted children like in this ministry where he's just like using it as like a re-education camp or whatever um so but, uh so there's like competing things too which which will get further explained in this like mm-hmm. next paragraph but like the solid state one is like this um this rhizome of the noble rot senior citizens in this welfare center and like because they don't have heirs they don't have anything to like pass their stuff down to and so there's like the this sense of like a a loss of um you know on like the most obvious level like generational wealth but then also this like <clears throat> loss of like passing down the line and these like broader senses that exist in society of like, yeah, you know, passing down. Yeah. Um, and so these senior citizens would rather, and what they're doing, like what the system is doing is um, identifying children who seem to be in abusive homes. Um, there's not a lot of like interrogation here around like uh, this, like predictive crimes kind of idea that, you know, exists in some media, but it, they're kind of doing that. They're like, a lot of these are cases where um, the, the like state hasn't stepped in, but there's like still some evidence and it seems like it's more just like an action on police's part or things like that. Um, or like things aren't quite as, as concrete as the law would need to like step in the system then this like solid state is doing this abduction to try and get these uh, children out of these, like, you know, I'll say likely abusive homes. Um, And, you know, for example, like maybe they have a dad who like doesn't use proper car seats and like, you know, car safety stuff. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) And it is, is then abducting them and putting them into this where they like, you know, the, the idea for the solid state system is that they then go on to like have a new chance at life because they get like the, this inheritance, this, yeah, this like wealth, they get freed from this abusive environment. Like hopefully like they can be put into a, a a welfare system as well in the process. That's going to be like um, better for them because the, the solid state is not like envisioning any sort of, it is believing that like the welfare system systems that exist will actually take care of these children. And what's actually happening is someone in the government sees all of these children in the welfare state and is like, well, that's just a cost on taxpayer money. How can I like turn this into something? And I'm going to turn it into building my like fascist generation. (laughs) Um, And so there's this, this like, you know, the, the next paragraph here is going to talk about the, the designer who steps forward, but like, there's this competing and the solid state is basically trying to un- is trying to like reveal what they've been doing to lure people to find out the like what's then happening to these kids once they get into the welfare system because they are now objecting to like that um yeah <clears throat> and i think the that's a i think that's a good overview um mm-hmm. and the one thing i would add is like it it eventually comes out that like this ultimate goal of of the solid state is yeah, so, like, not only to provide the children with, like, security by removing them from these, like, quote-unquote abusive homes. Yeah. Um, 
provide them with wealth so then they have like you know secure like financial security um but then also like allow them to like just like make their way in the world with like you know free will um yeah according to their own like you know um according to their own will this um, this really seems like something that like someone like maybe Kuzanaki would like set up where um she's kind of chasing against like the ways that she's controlled by the the like state ap- apparatus she's stuck in and yet like even when she leaves section 9 she's still just being a cop in her own way where now she doesn't have to play by any rules mm-hmm. um, and, and then she just know, uses like godlike yeah. powers to like do something at yeah. like to play god on like a, a massive <laughs> scale um yeah yeah um um yeah that, that anyway yeah we can, I, yeah th- we can continue maybe, the yeah. the synopsis in a moment i will just say here which i don't know how much you have this kind of this is like maybe unsurprising seeing this movie and if you've watched a lot of other anime in the past like 15 20 years um there have been a lot of debates over the last like 20 years in japan about the declining birth rates in Japan and then like what that means for lots of things around like which this movie is touching on and in ways that like I don't fully know all of the context especially at the time that this yeah. was made to like no reception and exactly how like Japanese audiences would interpret this but I I do still have like some of the the grounding to know like okay obviously there's some that's like people wanting to just like like the the senior citizens here wanting to like pass on their line have that lineage have that like that sort of aspect uh but then there's also this way that it takes on this like very uh nationalist fascist tinge of also the fears of oh but there are like these immigrant populations from korea that are still which you know there's parallels in the u.s with these like fears too uh that like are still having lots of kids and it is like the the japanese you know people quote unquote, who, who are not. And so also it's like about the changing demographics of the nation. Um, so that's also like a thing at work here. And then I think also this is, is like thinking about and looking at like, what are the the people who are considered like um, the burdens of the state, children and the elderly, like the, the people who, and especially like children who, who don't have like, parents to take care of them and in japanese society elderly who don't have like children to take care of them because um this exists in the u.s as well but i think like in japan there's a, a greater expectation that um like intergenerational homes are more common there than in the like average depiction of like a especially a white american family mm-hmm. um where the grandparents do not live with the family grandparents more li- often live with the family in japan although this has been changing historically as well and so there are more and more old people who don't have like a, a family support system that's of children who are who are um you know taking care of them on, in their older years um and so there's this whole thing of like oh the people who are burdens on the state you know um you could like group in disability stuff here too but the this movie's not really looking at that as much yeah um they're like and there's a lot more go- like we'll yeah. go even deeper into like all of this stuff um but i think that like that frames it up really well um so um like they break into the ministry of health discover these children being like brainwashed um 
And, like, you know, there's this kind of, like, aha moment where a lot of this is revealed. Like, Mune's conspiracy is revealed. Um, a designer named Tateaki Koshiki steps forward, claiming he developed the solid-state system. Um, this is at the moment where they're like, who developed this system? Because there's still, like, questions that are unanswered. And uh, so uh, Koshiki steps forward, claims that he developed the solid-state system, um, and then himself commits suicide. Uh, Kusanagi does what Kusanagi does, and she dives into his cyber brain um, to, like, you know, salvage his memories um, before he dies. Um, this turns out to be a trap by Koshiki, um, which uh, allows him to hack her cyber brain. Um, it's revealed that Koshiki... Uh, now, at this point, I'm using all of these, like, attributions have a asterisk because it, it is a little more complicated yeah. um koshiki this like version of koshiki um is revealed to be the puppeteer um uh in turn reveals that he uh, was spread across several egos um until a collective consciousness emerged and developed into a solid state um allowing him to move into the society beyond as the vanishing mediator um so well, and Again, in that talk, he like specifically invites the major to be the vanishing mediator with him. <laughs> yeah, there's like, I think at this point, um, a lot is uh, up for interpretation. Um, but I would also add, like, it is said like specifically that, um, like, the puppeteer, like coming into being is also related to like Kusanagi, um, her like consciousness traveling through the, the net and like synchronizing with, uh, multiple other like consciousnesses, um, and becoming part of like this, um, collective or this like, um, you know, amalgamation of egos, um that then was somehow like catalyzed um into being uh into like the entity of, of the puppeteer um through like the, the solid state like network um which like in this alchemy is like i think again up for interpretation but um kusanagi is like a central part of this like her consciousness is is a key part um there's, there's also, also some interesting uh, kuze so there's a part where like um we kind of get this like more dream sequence where the face uh koshiki's face is changing into all these other faces of like people who who would be to some degree significant to kuzanagi um mm. and settles for like the i think the longest amount of time before going to her own face on kuze um which i think is also like, as much as I hate all of the stuff around Kuze, I think there's also a certain pointing towards, like, him talking about wanting to um, take all of these people and upload to the, them to the net, and then, like, that kind of getting mirrored with the Nobarat senior citizens and, like, that rhizome and things. Um, and also, in a, I think one of the parts that I find, um, like, just images that I find kind of interesting, and I, I don't know if I have, like, a final take on it, but there's a part where um, someone meets with the puppeteer 
And it is a body very, very similar to the body of the Puppet Master. Um, mm-hmm. But that also has striking visual similarity, especially in this animation style to Kuze. Um, but then it has Kusanagi's voice. Um, which, yeah, I, I thought that that was just like an, an interesting moment of this, like all three of those characters kind of being represented and like visually with that one. I might actually change the cover art to this to, to be like that. <laughs> now, what's, but, what's interesting about this, now that you bring it up, is um, I, I may not have been following like the plot um, or, or like I might be wrong about this, in other words. Um, but in that moment, I also thought that there was like some ambiguity around like that this might actually be Kusanagi posing yeah. as the puppet master in the course yes. of like, or uh, as the, the puppeteer um, in the course of like her own investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to like, de- even like deepen your point, <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there is like ambiguity there. Well, um, and it's also at a point where the plot is um, like for a lot of the beginning of this movie, it's like, Oh, is Kuzanaki just the puppeteer? Um, and then like Togusa and Bato become like increasingly convinced that Kuzanagi is not the puppeteer. Um, and she doesn't seem to think that she's the puppeteer. And then the end is this like, well, kind of. <laughs> well, yeah. So they, yeah. they, they think she is. And then they like, like at first Bato doesn't think so. And then he like starts to believe that she is. And then it's like they realize that she's not when she rejoins the band. But then, like, yeah, as you say, like, then yeah. at the end, it's like, oh, wait, yeah, actually, kind of. Um, there's also, like, in this sequence, um, again, like, you know, up for interpretation, but um, Koshiki, like, slash puppeteer, um, says like something to the effect of oh like um this was my trap like i wanted to hack your cyber brain in order to like now i can get rid of section nine like once and for all like i can eliminate section nine um yeah and then like the sequence kind of like ends in that like dreamlike moment where the um like the destroyed like skull uh, of Koshiki like reforms and then transforms into the various people and ending with Kusanagi herself. Um, so there's this like surreal ending. Um, and then like, then it cuts to the next scene, which is like Kusanagi waking up in her, like one of the apartments that we've seen her in with Bato there. Um, and we're all like, Oh yeah. Like nothing happened basically um so you know there's some like strangeness in here uh with the plot where i think you know you can be like okay is is this final scene like actually taking place um in the way that we think it is or you know what's going on here well and i was reading it as like almost this like final moment of Bato being like, cause they specifically talk about the, like 
oh, the conversation, like, now that it's, it's, uh, the case is solved, we, like, found the kids, um, you know, the, the, like, recording of your conversation, that wasn't important, like, we've discarded it, um, and, like, Bato, you know, the major's like, you heard it, though, right, and Bato's like, nothing to report, basically, in this way of almost him just being like, yeah, I kind of know that, like, you were actually kind of the puppeteer, and, like, something's going on with you where you've got, like, you know, that was going on and then another part of you because you have this, like, fractured consciousness now across the internet. Um, whatever. And I'm just, I'm I'm choosing to look the other way was the vibe I got. Yeah. Um, um, but also does leave it ambiguously. The ultimate yeah, like, identity was never discovered. Yeah, or, like, it's, like, all... Does, like all of section nine just get like murdered in this moment or something. Um, and then there's some like hallucinatory, you know, final scene or whatever. Um, I like, um, I, this isn't like my, my read on it, but I, I do think there's some like weirdness there that is not, um, yeah, I can't, I can't just like sidestep the, um, uh, the specifically the room though that they are in because i've seen second gig multiple times now is the room at the end of uh the cat's eye episode with the the bank heist basically mm. um where at the end it's the major and bato and they're at the the like because that's the very beginning of second gig where like the section nine headquarters has been rebuilt and they're like wow this like new place is so great and they're they're up high in the high rise but then they can like change the window and stuff to make it be like a tropical beach and they're just like hanging out like it's on the beach because they just want to have the end of a, a heist movie where the you know criminals hang out on a beach after getting away with their crime um yeah. they pull that back in which i thought was just like a, a funny little detail to bring back <laughs> yeah um also and, one last uh, chance to show some boobs because there there are definitely like the show sometimes had it, but there's like a slightly larger number of like TNA here than um, the show proper, especially with yeah. the like inexplicable horny nurses. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, with just like the open back, like, yeah. Um, yeah. That's another what thing where it, <laughs> what it is does funny f- about that scene is Aramaki just completely unfazed, being like, "Yep, this is what this motherfucker's like." <laughs> yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Typical behavior by this guy. Yeah. Um, which th- this is another thing that's like second gig esque, where it's like, okay, yeah, like the fact that this guy, like the exact personality like what kind of guy this is is like sketched well enough in this scene for you to be like oh okay yeah this is you know like i can this is like a type of person who exists who would do like this objectification um and you know the like movie bearing witness to that um in ways that can be analyzed. Um, but then also like not really going anywhere with it. Um, yeah. it's just like a throwaway. Um, so anyway, 
Um, I do want to finish the synopsis. So the last thing I will say is um, at the very end of this final scene, uh, Kusanagi and Bato are having this conversation and it is um, heavily implied. Uh, I I will stop short of saying confirmed, but heavily implied uh, that Kusanagi will permanently rejoin section nine um, after years of wandering the net on her own. Um and that's the end of the movie. So I guess before we get into like any of the other details, the actual discussion of the film, um, I just wanted to point out because I, I think it's funny that uh, I started watching this. And at the very beginning, I was like, oh, hey, Proto, it's Proto. Remember the, the character who got like introduced and shoehorned into the end of second gig? And I was like, man, it feels like they really should have developed him more. Um, would have been like more impactful when stuff happened. Like, I wish that they were exploring the idea of like, what is this like new, I forget the term that they said, uh, you know, me watching this, not remembering what this movie was. I think. Yeah. The bio droid or whatever. Uh, it's like bio droid. Um, I was like, yeah, wow. Maybe, maybe I'm going to get it in this movie. Maybe I was just like saying like, oh, they just introduced this character and didn't do anything with it. They had plans the whole time. Um, notice how Proto did not come up once in the plot synopsis. Also, there's like a new guy who's like Togus's uh partner. Also, I don't even know his fucking name. It's new guy. <laughs> it's he's just the there end. sometimes. He's like fully become like the unnamed lackey from um yeah. from Cromarty High. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Togus is lackey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's just there to like comment that Toga says using a semi-auto pistol now, um, and to like sometimes be like during meetings. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the funny thing about this is that like he definitely like was named in second gig, but like when we were doing second gig, like we forgot his name, and then like mm-hmm. I I don't think his name is brought up again in. Um, solid state society so he's just like continues to be unnamed um for like for ghost divers um one of these days we'll we'll come back and and uh correct our error and uh not naming him yeah um, um so uh i i see that you have some notes um <laughs> Which is an is a occasion that I want to honor um, by letting you uh, take the lead here on on our discussion. I, I really don't have a lot of notes here. Some of them I even brought up here already, like you know those society deems burdens children and the elderly. I just I just tossed a couple things up here. Um, sometimes I just figure I can put a, a couple things just to give you Connor, as you're, you're going about a little taste of like, what was I thinking? Um, uh, um no, it's, it's great. Um, I, I appreciate it. Um, cause we, uh, we definitely had a lot of commonality here. Um, I was also mad that Proto didn't get more, um, <laughs> more screen time. It was just, I, yeah, as it went on, it was just like you're really gonna do nothing with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, ha- oh, so, have you- I remember. There was another thing I was gonna mention um, when we were getting to the end of the the synopsis, which is a thing that's not written in here, but was I I think a an interesting and, and like um, 
it's a it's a key moment in like the movie to me which is the the case has been solved um they've like you know taken down the the um like mune and everything and the kids are going like are freed and they're like so what happens now and they're like well i mean we'll have to figure out like the problem this was meant to solve at some point. But like right now they're just going back to their likely abusive homes. Yeah. Um, but we just have to work within the, the confines and the rules of the state. Like this is yeah. what we can do right now. We, we solve the mystery and like, and it's just, I, I think I'm, to me, it doesn't even really matter if the the movie is aware of this. To me, this movie is this thing about like almost this like failure of imagination of, of so many people, including even the major who like to some degree has like organized this. Um, if we think about, I I think that like the the practice of like how do these fit in with the the original movies. Um, is a, a thought process that um, is more just like for provoking ideas rather than like actually trying to create a, a coherent timeline. Um, mm. But like the, the major in the movie, we talk about having this like certain revolutionary potential in her. Um, and you can almost see how like that revolutionary potential becomes broken off into its own thing. That is like this Koshiki thing. And yet, the what is so interesting like i feel like this movie understands the major to me far more than like second gig seemed to because mm. this is not doing this whole like the major some weak woman who's um you know in love with a, a boy that she knew which again people go back to second gig there's like other ways to read that but i think that's still like a part of what's being talked about in a way that just like makes it really difficult for me to like like it's very hard to overlook that aspect of it um and the the ways that it is trying to play with that um even if it is like trying to complicate it i don't think it succeeds as often as it should um but like this is like really like the this thing that we're talking about with um standalone complex and second gig is, is like being developed here where it is like the major ha- has if perhaps because of this like union of the the puppet master and um like the major of the original film or for whatever reason like that 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 revolutionary potential which um in like the the uh original is almost kind of just like this this dissatisfaction with modern society with her position within the state this desire to escape but like feeling trapped and then finally having this like kind of out which is like to be able to access the net to be able to like free yourself from like you know a a lot of the confined yeah the structures and the way that the structures are like controlling her her material body in that moment um and then being able to see like that this person who identifies so much with her role then just like continues to create like other ways that she it it is now she's just like gaining access to broader and broader powers and becoming more and more godlike but she still cannot like break free of the her cop brain um yeah she's out of section nine and she's still like solving cases and like you know leaking information to bato which like innocence 
um, I think has the most like interesting exploration of like Bato um, having this like, oh, she's like my guardian angel almost approach to like the major, but she's like so far gone in a way that she's not in, in solid state society in innocence where like, she like just briefly inhabits a, a doll to help fight alongside him. Um, but here she's like, but it's so still more grounded. to like, oops, just to interject, like, but it's still said to have been like <clears throat> watching like yes. the entire time, like yes, cl- closely observing and controlling behind the scenes. Nonetheless. Yes. Um, and so, and here we like see this version of her too, where as both this like aspect of her that is the puppeteer, as well as like the the major who's helping, both of them like can't don't have the political imagination to think about something outside of like the the confines of the state as it currently exists for her. Her her role is to be like an investigator and a detective and uh, she's almost bought into this thing that like comes up in lots of cop fiction. Um, and I think compared to some stuff like you watch police story, one of my favorite movies. Um, it's just like very fun and over the top. And some of the stuff is really funny where he has this like big loud moment where Jackie Chan's yelling about like, Oh, the, you know, corruption within the police and blah, blah, blah. And like, basically like there's this idea in police fiction of like, if the cops were just free from all of this, like red tape and bureaucracy, they could really get the job done. And like, I think that this movie is like the major is like bought into that, but it actually doesn't fix anything. Um, and then there's this other version of her that is like, okay, I'm like, I have this like godlike power. I can like start to like rearrange society to try to like take care of people and yet still has like the still has not like tried to actually restructure society society in a meaningful way to like combat, you know, fascism, but like rather is like engaged in like kind of weird, like there are still the ethics of taking people like taking children away from people. And especially from people where there's like not as concrete evidence of like abuse and having um, them forcibly cyberized. Yes. Like there, and there's like, like a- <laughs> and then like putting them into like, like turning them over to like other people. Yes. Who they don't know. Turning them over to a state <laughs> apparatus and then just like trusting that like the state apparatus is going to like help them pursue the, their free will. And you know, She's like kind of like uh tragically libertarian brained <laughs> in a lot yeah. of this. Um in weird ways where then sometimes she trusts the state because it's the the cops or whatever, you know? In the weird way that a lot of libertarians still just like love the cops. Um anyway. Well, yeah, because like it's all about, you know. Yeah. Libertarians are obsessed with their own property. Like having property. Yes. And then it's like, okay, um, well when the like shit hits the fan, then like <laughs> You want the cops to protect your property for you. And so, like, I just, I, I'm very glad that we, like, after second gig that we've sat down and watched this because it has in some ways, like, cleared my palate a little bit from some of my objections with second gig. Um, yeah. Because I just feel like it's getting it back to a little bit more of, like, 
oh, there's just some like good police procedural here, which is part of what I really love about standalone complex that the original shows doesn't have. It's bringing in some of the interesting or the original movies don't have. It's bringing interesting things from the original movies and playing with them. It's seeming to like really get this thing that is like what I consider to be a core thing about Major Kusanagi, which is like her um, th- this impulse that she has to like rebel and to like try and push against the system and yet like her her deep identification with her role as like a an agent of the state where like of course even when she's free from it she's still just like reinventing ways to be a cop for the state like of course that's what she's doing (laughs) um yeah so yeah like i really enjoyed this movie i had a lot of fun so um yeah so did i um like while while you were like going through that it just like touched on so many of the like really intriguing things that i think are happening with with this film (laughs) so i'm gonna try and respond and like hopefully i can organize my thoughts um so on the subject of like you raised the point about like kusanagi and bato um like specifically kusanagi's character but i think bato's like um subject to this as well where like she can't like shake this identification with like being a cop even though she has like transcended it in like these various ways and and it's like all problematic in all of these ways like these like you know this institutional affiliation is like something she's actively trying to escape from i think like one of the things that's going on in this film is it's extending like this larger theme of um, that we've seen throughout like the the franchise um, of like the individual versus like the collective, um, and specifically looking at like individuals within like the context of like institutions um, and like various different like forms of like association. Or like collectives um and like the way that like kusanagi um like her like her very being is so defined by like her like affiliation with section nine like it's almost as though like uh she can't exist without like some sort of affiliation with section nine um that like the grounding of her being is like related to existing within like this larger institution or being like part of this larger institution um that there is somehow like an, an existential like need for that um that like she can't quite shake um and Bato like doing oh go ahead well, I was going to say, which also then makes it interesting that, like, this puppeteer Koshiki, like, aspect of her having as, like, one of its stated goals, the, like, eradication of Section 9, this, like, that there is this, like, impulse within her, but then also, like, part of this movie is almost her, like, potentially even, like, pushing that off. <laughs> right. right. Um, um, and we're warring against it. Yeah. Um, like, actively, like, there's a... the back arc of this film is like 
her conducting this investigation of, you know, quote unquote herself to like, you know, stop these, <laughs> ultimately to stop this plan. Um, but then even like on the Koshiki side, um, so one of your other comments, uh, which I think is, is very like pertinent is, um, you know, you mentioned like the imagination of like, uh, a form of association, like beyond the state or something like, you know, this movement beyond the state. Um, I think this is a core like theme of second gate as well. Um, and one of the things that was very interesting to me in second gig um, is this, like the persistence of the state as a form of like social organization. Um, I like have been um, at times I think about like the title card or like the, that, you know, intro like frame of the 95 film. Yeah. Um, where it's like, Oh, like, you know, is the state like going to become obsolete? It's like questioning the like, you know, relevancy of like the state in, in light of these, like, you know, the technological advancements, yada, yada. Um, and one of the things that like second gig does, like, uh, I think very, um, intriguingly is like really dives into this and looks at like, okay, no, like the state as something that like seems to persist, um, as well first of all interrogates like you know is this a necessary uh formation um but then like in the midst of this interrogation like showing it to be a thing that is persisting um uh regardless um yeah and that continues here where you have like even koshiki's plan um relying on like the infrastructure of the state um and in many ways like only making sense um within like the framework of of the the state um even as it like pursues a different end um as like a national project pursues a different end obviously than moon a's which is this ultra right like nationalist uh project um which of course is you know heavily like um heavily relying on like the concept of the state. Um, So there's all of these like plots unfolding and all of these like projects and um, like attempts to um, reconfigure society. uh, All of them like either not attempting to, or like failing to um, like, escape from this like larger framework um which uh i think like and then that dynamic becoming like the larger tale of the film um where we see like section nine um and this is where i'm returning to like the final two conversations with armaki and togusa which you alluded to and then bato and kusanagi uh, occurring basically one after the other, um, where Aramaki and Togusa are co- are basically concluding like, oh, like the aftermath of this, like is this re- like these children being returned to their their homes, like is this really for the best? And they're basically like, 
uh, like we can't all we can do is like work within this framework of the state we can't yeah. go any further um and then right after that kusanagi being like i i think i need to like return to section nine because like there was something like unfulfilling like uh, i like being untethered from like just like roaming the net untethered was like somehow like existentially unfulfilling and meaningless and like i need i'm like going to return to this like you know to this framework um like all of these things are like um all like happening uh together um, yeah. in a way that i think is like i just i think i basically just like scratched the surface there um, yeah, but I think there's like a really rich like dynamic happening within all of that. Um, and and it is one of the like I I briefly said like I forget exactly the wording I used, but like th- there's a part of me that can could totally see having seen like some of the other stuff, especially with second gig, which uh, I think I'm still probably more down on than you are. Um, of like, do the people making this show? believe that there is like truly just no escape from the state that this is like the only possible outcome. Like the only outcomes are they all return to their families um, or fascism. <laughs> um, I, I think, and I, think I, I this... don't like, that's a, that's a simplification, but like, yeah, th- there's a part of me that is like, is the failure of ima- the imagination here purely on the part of like, major and other members of the section of section nine or is there also a failure of imagination of like other possible like liberatory ways that things could be handled on the part of the people making the show but at a certain point like it doesn't matter to the text and how i read the text (laughs) it's still it's still this thing of like displaying this failure of imagination whether or not like that is intentionally written in or is like a product of the people making it um (laughs) yeah i i think for just to like be fully on the table with my opinion, um, like I, I felt this in in a lot of areas of section nine or not section uh, second gig. Yeah. Um, not all of them, of course. Um, listeners, check out our second gig episodes. Um, <laughs> I if you're listening I, to only this and not the second gig episodes, let me know. I guess right into the question yeah. bucket. Ghostimerspot at gmail dot com. We're not we're not helping you out very much. Yeah. Um but uh I, I do think that like the film is uh critical um or provides like um like provides the viewer with uh plenty to form to like form a critical um like analysis of yeah these various things going on. Um, I think like w- one example that I'll bring up is like, I think the film invites like a critical um, analysis of like Koshiki's project. Yeah. Um, and like the like ethical implications of it, um, especially within like the context of all of these like things, um, there is like a way that family, uh, family as a theme, like 
is um becomes important in this film um and specifically as like a contested site um as like a version one of these forms of association like between humans one of these like uh like a a tool or like a like component of social organization um that is like hotly contested um in the film like i think you can quite easily look at it uh interpret like the treatment of family here as like family is this decaying mechanism um so i mean it's easy to like follow this thread which is like you know we have um like togusa togusa's family in the foreground um the way that this there's you know the things going on there um but then also like these abused children um these neglected uh seniors um where like this you know ideal at least the supposed like you know family the function of family is broken down um and is like forcibly reactualized um by koshiki's scheme um in these coercive pairings where like you know we briefly alluded to it earlier but like you know koshiki's scheme being like cyber hacking the parent like forcing the children into surgery like abducting the child and like uh you know putting them into like under the guardianship of like these seniors and then also like into the welfare system um like committing all of these acts which um i think we could uh discuss the ethical implications of um like in order to like reactualize like this family dynamic like in order to like have this posterity and like this um you know provide the seniors with the child that they need and then provide the child with like the parent that they need etc cetera, etc cetera. um there's a way that you can look at this and be like oh this is a failure of imagination like koshiki is just like the family is this decaying like mechanism that koshiki is just trying to like artificially like uh like reanimate and like perpetuate um in spite of the fact that like like no this is actually just like decaying and it's like somehow like perverse to like do this like reanimation or like <laughs> um you could also look at it as like oh no the f- the the film is like insisting on like um like koshiki is like in a way like you know doing something that is like like i'm not saying this but like <laughs> um you there's this interpretation of like oh koshiki is actually doing something that is like um like just um specifically like one of the seniors brings up the concept of justice um like that this is a just action that it's like resulting in a better outcome and that family actually is a thing that like has value and needs to be restored and that this like using this structure perpetuating this structure is like um like necessary um somehow even if it needs to be like slightly altered or redefined like the structure itself is like 
you know, necessary. Um, and I think you have like, I know that was long winded. Yeah. Um, (laughs) there's also Um, like, a uh, um, almost like, uh, highly logical approach to like the, the restructuring and redefining of family where, um, and, and that almost like ignores some of the other like social functions of family where, um, because if you think about it, there there are like multiple generations at work here. Because there there's you know there's these two that are like the burdens on the state, the children and the elderly. Um, but then there is also the like middle generation that would be like the the parents of the abducted kids. Um, and if this is like a continuing like self propagating system, if you are taking like children away from these like abusive parents supposedly. Um, you are then creating like childless adults who will then go yeah. into the, the like retirement system um, and then would like get children from another generation. And so it is just like almost a like, like collapse there. There's like no longer this like um, same like genetic aspect to family because now it becomes like okay like these people like produce the kid but then the kid goes to like these other people who then lost the kid um right like this like reorganizing like if this becomes self-perpetuating you can see how it becomes a system in which like there are just more and more kids who like get taken from like the parents and then given to these like older people and it, it is removing a lot of the other functions of like a family because now it is just like, oh, okay, then they'd like get the inheritance. Like it's, it's like reducing it down to like the very like legal ideas of family rather than like a lot of the other things around family. Um, yeah. Because presumably these kids are not like going home to the, you know, parent. I mean, we do see like a kid who like goes and lays down, but like, but that's are not, like, are not like going home to like a home where like that person is like, feeding them and caring for them and all these other like yeah all these other aspects of like parenting someone um yeah because they're all connected to the you know retirement facebook (laughs) yeah yeah posting like political memes yeah (laughs) posting Um, a photo of uh a crick with a an old man and a child uh sitting uh, next to the crick (laughs) and it says you know uh, you don't see scenes like this anymore. Um, and the, the person is just sitting there in their like bed hooked up to the internet, posting that while there's a child just sleeping on their floor being like, I yeah. would like to go fishing someday. Grandpa. Yeah. A child just like yeah. sleeping on the concrete floor covered in flies. But yeah. like, yeah, we'll eventually like inherit a trust fund and like, <laughs> you know, whatever this old person dies. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that the the future envisioned by this is just Facebook. It is just old people. It is just American <laughs> fascism right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fully well, saying that, but yeah. Well, and then and then Wade against like you know Moonet, um, which is like uh, this even more like specifically um, this ultra rate like biopower regime um that is like focused on so i mean like this whole idea of biopower is also like very 
important. Um, and I won't like, I didn't prepare like to, to do this justice. So we won't go too deep into it. Um, but I think that is one of the things that's like focused on in the film, notably like more so, um, than like in, uh, the other install installments of the franchise. Um, yeah. But the way that it's like these various actors, whether it's Koshiki or like the state, um, is like focused on like managing, um, like biological, like potentialities and like, um, like reproduction and like, etc. Um, there's also this like hierarchical construction that is like that we've seen before where we like I think this is related to like the Kessler um like underpinnings where we have yeah. like oh it's like the state reproducing itself like then you have like state like ministries like section 9 like reproducing itself and then you have like you know like ethnicities reproducing themselves and like and like families reproducing themselves and like individuals reproducing themselves um like there's concern with like all of these layers going on um but uh sorry that's a digression yeah um mune being like um you know specifically like i'm going to take these biological like potentialities um of like quote unquote pure blooded, you know, Japanese children. Um, and then like, um, quote unquote nourish them like in like the bosom of the state. Um, but like really like indoctrinate them like for, like for service to the state, like into this nationalistic like conception of like, um, you know, like into this whole like nationalist ideology. Um, whereas like, you know, Koshiki's scheme is like almost, uh, as you pointed out, like it, it has this kind of like pseudo libertarian, um, like aspect to it. Um, or even like you could like interpret it as like, a quasi like liberal um like in where it's like oh well this is all for like the agency of the child like eventually they'll have free will they'll have money so they can have like financial security and then they can like make their own choices um yeah whereas like mune is like um this like nationalistic framework where it's like okay well we're going to like indoctrinate them into a like state service basically um or like this ruling class. Yeah. Um, um one of the things too that I, I I think it is kind of smart and interesting with the the way that these things like play out as well is that the the nationalist project that is happening here from Mune like does not require like all of the other things that are being talked about 
um, with like the abduction of children from, you know, these like problem homes and everything that's going on with the Koshiki plot. It like, he just believes that these are like orphans. Um, and he is just like, instead of having them be, you know, orphans on the taxpayer, whatever, he's like turning it into something that it is, uh, profitable. Um, and so I, I think that's also like a, an interesting thing that like further t- intensifies this and, and provides more attention, which is that like almost, almost in some ways, like that it, it would be even less likely that like this thing that he is doing would be uncovered if it really was just orphans. Um, yeah. That like in some ways, like it, it is that like people like Togusa would have their children abducted and then like not learn about and like some of him like doing this is seeing like how large that that pool of like children is um that like that also is a driving force because it is like a larger pull on you know taxpayer whatever um like from this like political perspective he has um but still like it is a fundamental idea that he has about like orphans as like just um drains on the state uh that this other stuff happening with the like koshiki plan is like intensifying like the desire to make that sector like profitable because of the the size the number of children the like growing numbers of taking care of those people um but it does like it's not just because it is like this whole ploy that he's doing it he would just be doing it anyway um and I, I find that just like a, another um, interesting aspect of this, because I think especially some of like those parts, like his whole um, speech, it, it's kind of like comically like I am just the, the fascist being like, well, yeah, I, all these people who just, you know, people pay taxes and then it goes to other people who need help what the what yeah. the fuck is this? that's not what a state is about. <laughs> yeah that's not what a state is for we need to <laughs> we need to put those kids to work we need to to have them work and be profitable members of society uh who are pure-blooded and uh you know always vote right um <laughs> yeah like even better yeah. like we can fix our like you know our like underpopulation problem yeah like that like our ethnicity is like, you know, on the decline. So like we can use these resources of these like children to like, you know, fix these other problems. If yeah. all we have to do is just like brainwash them for ten years and like enslave them to our ideology. Um and in some ways it's just I mean, it is like fiction that is is playing in like um more intense examples but it it is it is funny that they kind of say but like it's in such an extreme that they they're not fully saying that like yeah education under like the state is often about like creating profitable children who like you know adhere to the nationalist ideal (laughs) um that's also kind of what is happening with it with this stuff um yeah i i agree um, I think I sometimes like a movie just comes along at the right time in, in your life, I think. And 
it's been a while since like I, I actually watched the film because you know as we've discussed I watched it I thought it was the week of Gits 2017 um, and <laughs> it was not um, but like the day after I watched this movie um, I went into work and my boss like pulled me into one of these conversations where he just like rants yeah. um, and he was like in the course of this rant he was like yeah you know what like I know how to fix poverty like I can fix poverty in one generation just like let me take all of the children away from all of their like all of the poor children away from their parents and we'll just like educate them in boarding schools like and yeah. if you let me like design the boarding schools and curriculum then like well I'll just educate these children and, and we'll solve poverty um and I was like holy shit like <laughs> dude you're a Mune <laughs> you're literally Mune like yeah. oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> uh so Damn, did yeah. you know that you're a villain in a cyberpunk movie <laughs> that i just watched oh <laughs> uh, yeah um and you know the other things that i know like you can surmise from just that snippet of conversation you know what kind of person this is but like you know everything else i know about this person i was like oh yeah like this is like you know like it, it was just I don't think I realized anything new about like the film and this dynamic, but just having it like actualized in real life, like having a real person like tell me this and knowing they're like, they're like, you know, ideological, they're like worldview. Um, it just really hit home, like everything about this movie. And I was like, damn, um, that's crazy that you just said that. Um, yeah. Or uh, Yeah. I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't use, uh, crazy as a pejorative there. Um, that is, uh, uh, shocking that, that you said that. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then I told him that I think we should, we should do that, but just re-educate all of the rich children instead. (laughs) Um, Um, and he disagreed. Yeah. Um, I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, sorry, that was a um, a tangent there that I, I just wanted to bring up at some point. Uh, and I feel like this is, that was a good time. Um, I feel like I, I've hit like the, the biggest things I have here. I think the other two like little notes I had one, I don't have a ton on, but uh, some of this movie is also playing on like surveillance fears things. Um, we get mm-hmm. just a lot of shots of like from a security camera and it's like highlighting the faces of everybody um, in a way that like, like is not like a fully explored thing other than it's just kind of brought in and it's like, yeah, when you have like a surveillance state, it becomes very easy for like these sort of things to occur because like, especially if people are cyberized or you can then hack people, it's then also extremely easy to like hack all of these other security systems to know where people are, to like track people to, you know, everything else that's going on. Um, and it, it does like, I think the 
part that becomes the most interesting to me is as it continues to mount and they begin to like find out more about the solid state and the um the like noble rot uh elder you know senior citizen like elder care stuff um is like the part where togusa goes to um get one of the the missing children it's you know the the guy who's like no don't take him from me you know uh, i saved him from like abusive parents and i'm gonna pass on my stuff uh and then he sees like one he he realizes that the like reason why this is working is because like yeah he took the kid and like uh transferred him to the state like that's what his like thing as a police officer is going to be and then he just like watches the the um you know emts or the like morgue guys or whatever show up and be like oh isn't there supposed to be a kid um like we just like ship them off to you know welfare basically um being like oh like literally what i did is just what would happen anyway like this guy would die and then the kid would just get into it um and like almost this like realization of like oh we're just like a part of that same system um but then what's also fascinating there is all of the um all of the old people like seemingly aware like connected and just like staring at togusa during this um <laughs> just becomes yeah. this like this moment of like we've been seeing like all these like camera surveillance but then like suddenly it becomes like even the people seem to be like a part of this weird surveillance happening um yeah there is that shot like from the monitor where togus is like staring into it like seemingly realizing this <laughs> um in the midst of that whole sequence which is like you know horror-esque uh like constructed as horror-esque i think yeah um Um, the other big thing i I don't know if you have more comments on there but the other big thing i had was um just us having talked a lot about like embodiment and specifically around the major uh the number of different bodies we see for her are, are kind of interesting um but i don't know if you have other stuff around like the surveillance horror stuff first Mm-mm. no i know go, go ahead yeah um so some of this and i again it's like th- this in particular is one of the least like full there there are other things that feel more trans resonance where i've talked on multiple episodes now about this like the major reminds me of like trying to do trans liberationist work and talking to trans people in the military um the like relation that she has to the body but here she's like you know, it seems like she spends most of her time like in this uh Sheev Palpatine uh Rise of Skywalker <laughs> like claw thing where where she's up in the air. Um but then like we see the child body that she uh also piloted in the first season. I don't think it comes up in, in second gig. Um and then we also see like uh, I was laughing watching it for, for the first time um, and like texting friends joking about it because uh, there's the body that she is piloting when um, there's the like fight with the tank, which also here possible evidence that if you were to put this in a timeline, I think I would actually situate this after at least the first movie. Um, I think also like innocence happens maybe somewhere within this period. But anyway, um, 
is uh, she successfully rips open the tank to to kill the guy inside because this time she hacks it instead of just trying to rip it off with her arms. Um, she like also like gets something in to do a hack. But uh, during that fight, she she's pilot uh, she's like in this body or or piloting this body that um, is mostly the major. It's a little bit like the body that we've seen when she goes into. Um, like cyberspace that like avatar she has like the haircut is a little bit more of this like queer mullet thing going on um and like just like especially with her outfit she's like has the most like there's just like queer milf vibes from that kuzanagi (laughs) um we of course get the one that i mentioned that like has visual parallels with the puppet master and kuze um and there's also a moment it's it's right after actually the fight with the tank um where she's in that like you know queer milf body as i will refer to it as um and goes in (laughs) and actually yeah (laughs) and um comes out in a a male body and drives off in that thing she like also steals bato's car which seems to be actually like part of her plan because then she's able to get um like into some government area driving in his car presumably to drop off the samples yeah to drop off the samples. samples um and that's she's like piloting a male body um, so we, we kind of see some, I'm trying to remember if there's any other ones that we really see. I feel like after the, there's the part with the, the child body, um, and we well, see, we see the, that she has like puppet mastery one. And then, um, there's like a whole inventory in her apartment, right? Yeah. Or are, I'm they, to are, think are, are they all like empty? See. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> like alluded to more. Yeah. Cause she's commented she comments on like it seems like her her current limit is controlling like two bodies fully at once um because she's like has like limited control over the body that's in the sheaf palpatine thing um and then when she gets out the the child body like kind of shorts and falls down and she's like oh seems like two's my limit right now um and then after that, we get the the like puppet mastery body. But then beyond that, I think throughout a, like most of the end of the film is her in what I would call like the main major Kuzunaki body from like the show. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. That, I, I think that is. I think that's right. But yeah, I I do think that it's like interesting that in the. I I talk sometimes about like one of the only times that we see in the show. Um, her do any like occupying of a male body is um, the very first episode of second gig where she hacks into the, the one criminal and he's not fully cyberized. And so he's like really like shaking and seems to be in extreme distress. Um, and there are sometimes where she will like briefly hack into to control like Bato to make him punch himself or something, but never in this like extended, like occupying a body way beyond that. And then just like the fully male body um, that appears in, in this. And then she just like has like, of course, we've seen the child body before it comes back. Um, and then I would say the one that she she goes to get the the uh, virus ampules. That's her. um closest to just her main body that we see um but uh, yeah i I think the i've mainly have talked about the one that i think is the most interesting which is that like um puppet mastery one but um Mm -hmm. yeah and i think um the like 
the connection um i i agree with your earlier comment about like when we bring this in with the other like installments of the franchise um it, it's less interesting to do like oh where's the you know direct correspondence and more as like a um jumping off point um, yeah but the way that this film picks up on like the end of uh the 95 uh movie and like specifically realizes like the quote-unquote promise of of that film um in a concrete way is and and then moreover like having this concrete realization be like um i would say highly ambiguous um is one of the things that um I like that that I enjoyed um about this movie. Um but just the yeah. way that like all, all of this stuff with like the puppet master um and Kusanagi now like is brought back um within like in dialogue with all these other like themes that the film is taking up about like posterity um and like progeny and reproduction um and like you know the the 95 film being um positing this kind of like potentiality that is um left as a potentiality um and not really going so far as to like concretize it um and then this, this film being like Oh, like let's concrete. Let's like play this out and concretize it, um, and finding it to be like uh, potentially problematic alongside like you know all these the problematic um, traditional like you know forms of reproduction and like the family and um, like these various other things. Um, I think like produces a um my like final my take right now is that this is like a a a fairly pessimistic film yeah um and uh although it doesn't hit the same notes in that respect as like the 95 movie um I, i do find it to be like a rich like extension um yeah well of of that stuff and like I, I thought that I kind of have because I, I think it's like a, a fool's errand to like actually try to situate situate um the movies and standalone complex and everything into like a an actual timeline and say like ah yes this is all the same canon because like that's not what the show is doing um like it sometimes is like pointing at that but in in ways that like it everything is kind of disjointed and it's kind of it's if you're trying to do this like lore, how do we tie everything together? I just think that that's like not going to be that fruitful um, because there's just going to be too many contradictions no matter what you try and do. Um, Cause that's not the point. The point is to like create this coherent uh, fully like uh, realistic um, continuity between these works. 
Um, but I, again, I said, I, I think sometimes it's interesting to think about how they fit into continuity. Um, and I'm bringing this up because I know that like, um, and for more abnormal mapping, we'll talk about, uh, like standalone complex broadly. And also like this movie as part of that being like, because the 95 movie hasn't happened yet thinking like thinking of the 95 movie as this like actual achievement of some sort of um like new form of being that is you know represented by the the union of like the the puppet masters like come to exist and like Mm -hmm. has united with the major um and my read and some of this is just like purely um influenced by like the actual release date. So like chronological release of these, these works um, that, and also I think just some of my understanding of like the major and second gig that I kind of lean towards, like the movie happens. Most of second gig happens. Maybe innocence happens during, and like this two year period um, where like Bato and Togusa, you know, are, are in charge of, um, section nine more and like the major is like fully in the net and Bato's kind of just like, Oh, she's like watching over me. Um, and then in this movie is like referring to like, yeah, she's helped me out on previous cases. Um, it seems like the whole stuff in innocence of like, you know, Toga say you should keep your eye on Bato is like further developed or Bato's like no longer as much in charge. And it's like, really like, Hey, you either just like got to train new recruits or you got to like join this case. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, and again, like, I think it's like foolish to like really like assert this as a canon, but what becomes interesting for me in thinking through that is this idea of like, it is ultimately more pessimistic to situate this way after the 95 movie. But I think it is also for me reflecting something that is happening in the ghost in the shell as a franchise, which is that, um, even in 95, there was perhaps still some more hope of like the utopian idea of what the internet could be. And by the time that they are making standalone complex in the two thousands, it's just clear. That's not what the internet is. Um, (laughs) it's just clear that that's like not the direction of society in the same way that like there is this possibility space, um, at one time around like communism and like, what is going to be like the dominant, like, why is it that we landed on capitalism? And, and now we have to like contend with like, no, like capitalism just kind of has asserted itself as like the new world order in the way that, you know, there's the, the famous quote about like those living under feudalism can't imagine like a, a world without kings. Like so many people cannot imagine a world that is not like set up the, the capitalist way. Um, but there was this possibility space that existed. Um, and there was this battleground and, and like capitalism and, and like, people with those interests specifically did things to like, like people talk about how communism has never worked and yet also don't talk about how like the United States had a hand in continually trying to foil and destroy attempts to make communism work in all sorts of countries. Um, And so like I, for me, I think it is reflecting a certain reality of like, yes, 95 has this like, Oh, the limitless possibility of um, the internet of the, the internet and, and like networks con- and yada yeah, yada. and then standalone complex is being like, no, actually that happened and it like look at all the shit that came out of it. <laughs> look at yeah. all the like also, fucking like, dangers of internet of cyberizing your brain and being able to like put your brain into the internet that doesn't fix the problems, um, yeah, and in fact like, oh, it yeah, can like, intensify some of them. 
yeah like oh yeah like the state like persists and like fascism like persists and just like in some ways like is like like even even more like facile like uh in the in this form like in this uh like with these networks than like previously yeah um and so that that is my assertion why the everyone should do the canon uh this is the timeline <laughs> again i think uh, it i think it's more interesting to talk to people about if you were to try and situate these into like a timeline how would you situate these movies i feel like you you have a similar like way that you would situate these too many. Um, i agree completely i think i think uh innocence is kind of a wild card yeah um, you could also situate like... it before standalone complex stuff um in like, that period I, I, but for me i don't know whether to just like pull innocence out of this like entirely as its own separate thing or like if i can situate it in um but in, in the scenario where i such situ- we're in the scenario where i include it i i agree with you yeah um on the positioning um but yeah i i just agree with <laughs> with everything you said um so I'm uh, glad um, to know that I'm I'm always right and I've never had an incorrect take once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Ghost Divers is all about. Yeah, um, um, being having our first impression be completely correct and never changing our mind. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, uh, do you have final thoughts? Did, I feel like I'm wrapping up my my thoughts on this movie. Uh, I I think I'm good. Um, I think we like. A lot there. There's a, a lot more that you can do with this movie, um, but I think we like pointed to um, if you know if people want to continue the discussion. Um, I, I think we've like pointed to a lot of good areas. Um, yeah. So right into the question bucket. Yeah, I think that's a, a good throw. Of one next time we are going to be doing the question bucket. We'll be recording, I believe, June fourth. 2022 although um it might be like check the twitter account when this goes out i'll probably put in the like hopefully we'll know by then and i can put in the episode description if it's not june 4th um but uh because i don't know still at the time that we are recording this if um autumn is going to want to join the question bucket or not i know that they enjoy just joining from the question bucket because it's like a lot looser and we kind of just joke around a lot um, and they have been watching the first season of standalone complex. Um, and I also told them a lot about second gig, so they might have like more thoughts than if it's just an anime that they've never done before or, you know, seen anything from before. Excellent. Um, yeah. I hope they join with yeah. the first viewing of, uh, of, uh, season one of standalone complex. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear more about their impression of it. Um, but yeah, so you can write it in the question bucket at ghostdaverspod at gmail.com. And if there are like big things in, um, honestly, any of the, like we had questions when we did, uh, you know, we did calls for questions when we did, um, the, the first two movies, you know, 1995 and, um, innocence, but like, if you have questions about those, or if you have any questions related to the series, or if you have like more stuff you want to pull out in solid state society, um all of that's fair game we also just love fan fictiony prompts so um i'm sure 
as always, you know, we'll, we'll have our backs and ask us who tucks in the homies. Um, and you can send those to I always look forward to that question. Yeah. (laughs) Now I just expect it. Like, even if Ina doesn't do it, I'm still going to have us do it because it's just become a part of the question bucket to me. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you can write into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. Um, I'm also going to use a moment because you were talking about like continuing the discussion. If people do have more thoughts on this and like other ways of this developing, uh, you can also go to the abnormal mapping discord, uh, which if you just type in abnormal mapping discord into Google, you should find a link on how to join it. Um, and there's a channel in there called uh, export chat. You can pop in there um, and talk about, you know, that's like discussion for any export audio network podcast so um usually if it's like a a particularly spoilery thing about even just like an episode like a discussion that we had people will put it in um spoiler brackets but um yeah that's a a place to go and if you want to support the network you can go to export audio network um exportodd.io which will take you to the Patreon. There's links to podcasts there. Um, and then if you uh, do a dollar, you can get access to a number of podcasts early, um, including Ornate Stairwells, which is the the podcast that I do with Autumn, who I mentioned earlier, where I watch movies and talk about them um, and rate the stairwells because it's just a funny bit. Um and if you do five dollars, you can get access to Pop Town Funk, which is um Autumn and their wife Nora. Um and they roll a random Funko Pop and then usually watch, but I think sometimes like read or something, if that makes more sense, whatever's related to that Funko and then have to talk about it. Uh, so that's a great podcast. Um, I'm like having to go to the bathroom. So I'm just going to quick wrap this up now. Um, <laughs> follow us at Ghost Divers Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Fox Mom Nia. Where can people follow you? Uh, y'all can follow me at Ravelais, R-A-B-B-L-E-A-I-S. And you can also follow me at Mediaf underscore Pyle, M-E-D-I-M-H, wait, M-E-D-I-A-M-H underscore P-I-L-E. Um, and that's it. Bye. Bye, everyone. See you next time.
Okay, now recording. Yeah, I, I'm recording as well. Um, and I'm going to do on on the recording here. I might be able to hear me shaking this. This is my mm -hmm. inhaler. Oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, the inhaler is a new new dynamic for uh, for ghost divers. Yeah. And now, just just there so we we're are. clear, like when you say inhaler, you mean you're actually just like huffing inhalants, right? Anyway, I also have to rinse my mouth out afterwards, according to my doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the spray paint taste is terrible. <clears throat> um, while doing the inhaler, I noticed, which I may have read before, but it, it just struck me as funny this time, um, that under like the, the dosage per actuation, it says uh, for oral inhalation only, and I'm just... I mean, I guess your nose. I guess it's what else you inhale through. Uh, I feel like it isn't isn't the technical term for that insufflation? Probably. I feel like the people writing that label would know that, and therefore, yeah. like, the mystery remains. Um. Yeah. Uh. I I would I would very much like to see uh what other forms of inhalation they were considering i'm just gonna google a non-oral inhalation <laughs> that can't possibly go wrong <laughs> um there are some people who can like uh <clears throat> i think this has to do with your eustachian tube um where people can okay like, so they this thing is talking about inhalation by nose. Okay. Well, okay. I think insufflation is when you're taking like a solid or like a liquid material into your nose. As opposed to like, you know, taking in a gaseous material, in which case it's inhaling. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like inhale through your nose, like that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, now, now I need to clarify this for myself. So this says ins insufflation is the act of blowing something into a body cavity. But okay. when I press down on the inhaler, it is it is kind of like launching it into my mouth. So I would also be insufflating, I think. Mm. Let's see. But they're talking about stuff where like they will like blow vapors into like body cavities and things. Yeah. Or like, or like surgeries. Like ventilating. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Which seems like that's usually where they're referring, but they do talk about like respiratory assistance. Okay. Okay. Mystery solved. So yeah. nasal inhalation. So don't, don't do that basically. Okay. Don't shove the like large mouth of the thing into my nose to try and, yeah. Anyway, hopefully it will keep me from coughing. Just get a more, more concentrated hit. We'll Absorb it through your sinus. 
Yeah. How's that um, working out so far since we last discussed it? Yeah, I don't... Like, Emily says that it seems like I'm coughing less, so... But I feel like I've been coughing some today again, so I don't know. Um, do I do a drink check before we time that is clap? Yes. Um, you go first. Yeah, I just have a Kieran Ichiban. Um, Ghost in the Shell, I just enjoy, like... I just feel like Kieran Ichiban, like Japanese beers in general, but... um. There's something about Kiranichi Bond that feels like particularly Ghost in the Shell to me as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm just thinking about. Uh, I saw something earlier today and it really made me angry, so I just I want to share it with you because I partially blame you. Um, so have you seen this Coca-Cola bite? Um, no. What is okay. it? Coca-Cola has released, like, a, a new, like, flavor of Coca-Cola that's called Coca-Cola something, something, bite, something, something. And it's supposed to be, like, it's supposed to be pixel-flavored. What? Oh, yeah. like, bite with a Y. Yeah, 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 yeah. B-Y-T-E. Like, bites. Yeah. And like uh, this, how is it? Like, I, I I don't know. Like, I will never taste this. I I refuse. Um, <laughs> but I just love like because I guess because of like how powerful the Ghost Divers endorsement non endorsement of Coke Starlight was. Um, now we're just going to be like cursed with like a litany of shitty like meme like sodas that uh are all just like some bullshit like flavor dump um yeah and then they're um, all just gonna be like like there's like hype beast sodas it's like yeah i i can't possibly Con- connor i so after we recorded that episode with the coca-cola starlight um, I got a, a phone. Call. You know that our main sponsor is, of course, Squirt Soda. Um, right. and they were actually very unhappy that we did that. Um, and made me give all the money back. So that's why I haven't given you any of the money. Um, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So I was we're back about to that. my lawyer was drafting yeah. a letter for you. We're we're back to to um not liking Coke products. Uh, okay, Squirt only. Good. Um, Verner's. Where it's okay for us to talk about Verners, but Squirt is still the official drink. Yeah, Squirt is the only is the only soda that has our loyalty. Yeah, our, our true loyalty. I mean, we, there are <laughs> other sodas that we like, right? Like Verners is in there. I put yeah. Ale8 in there, even though Ale8 I know was disappointing for you. Um, um, I think it was just the cans we got were banged around. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to get you like. I'll have to go to the. Um, the ale eight like spring in Kentucky. It's really it's not too far. Um I think it's like a yeah. forty five minute drive. Um and I'll just get some like natural ale eight. Else I'll just sort of source it there and then I'll bring it to you. Or yeah. like ship it out to you. 
um, with better packaging. Because you don't know. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll tell him. Um. So Square did say that if you want to drink the Coke by on the podcast, you can, but just don't say too many nice things about it. Okay. Well, if if Square yeah, wants give, to give do me it, the give me the ale eight from the source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know if if our sponsor wants us to do it, our sponsor Squirt, um, mm-hmm. then you know uh, that's a different story. All of my moral opprobrium, like, can can take a back seat. Um, but yeah, the Amazon LA, like, who knows how long that since they took that from the ground in Kentucky. You know, that's probably just sitting yeah. there for for a while, sitting in some um, hot Amazon warehouse. Um, just like denaturing, yeah. All of the like natural compounds in there, you know, um, and unnatural, right? And unnatural, um, you know. Of course, all s- coming from the magical L eight spring, yeah, and uh, an undisclosed region. Of Sorry, not unnatural, supernatural. Right. Yes. Well, it's unnatural, supernatural, you know. Yeah. But, like, um, basically connotations. Connotations. And connotations right. are important here. Right. Yeah, you got, like, the, the, the mana had definitely, like, dispersed. Um, if you let it, by the time you had gotten that AL8, that's what I think it was. It was probably, like, the packaging, but also just the time that the, the mana had dispersed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you um, didn't get that same, that same think, kind of like ineffable think, taste. Yeah, I think some of the ambrosia like deteriorated as well. Yeah, because it no, kind of just tasted like milk and Earth. honey. Like it tasted like milk and also like honey, and I think it was supposed to taste like milk and honey. Yeah, if you it, know what I'm saying, it's supposed to taste like an ineffable fusion of of those two things. Yeah, rather like, than yeah, just like, milk and honey. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's not even supposed to exist in like Earth realm. Yeah. It once you like pull it out of the like celestial sphere, um, once it crosses over into like the realm of of just vulgar matter, um, it's just decaying like exponentially from that point on. Um. So. Anyway, you know. Um, yeah. Well, maybe next time well, you can get. Ithun to, to bring some to me directly. Yeah. Well, what, I'll have to look into it. It might it might be like an upcharge, but um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Because um, you really just got to taste. You got to taste the 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 alien in its. Uh, well, you never have the pure form, of course. Um, but in a state like closer to, you know, the the source. The pure, like, source ideal form. For sure. Um, so, yeah, speaking of, of drinks and drink checks, um, I'm still drinking this confusing beer that I drank uh, on the uh, on the episode that shall not be named. Um, otherwise known as the Gets 2017 episode. Um, and just for, like, just for a reminder... This is um, 
it's called the GIL, the German Irish style lager. Uh, yeah. From Westside Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, yeah, I I don't remember honestly what it tasted what it tasted like because um, I was just so like I think my whole like sensory system like sinus throat tongue was just so like annihilated at at the time we did that uh, episode um, yeah. that w- whatever like whatever I did experience it just didn't. It didn't travel fully to my brain, so um, I'm gonna try it again. Um, while you were talking, because you, you said the GIL, and I was trying to think if I could somehow formulate a Jilf joke in my head, <laughs> um, and I I couldn't think of like a good thing for the F to be. Um, but then I did think girlfriend in law, which is just a a funny phrase. So you know, GIL. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got like God, I love, like God, comma, I love blank. Um, but well, I'll, I'll, I was thinking, I'll leave it I was thinking like, I was thinking like, like GMILF or G DILF. Okay. You know, remind like, me, remind me again what, what MILF. Like, what MILF is and what DILF is? So, so, so MILF is mother I'd like to fuck. Okay. And, and then the D is dad I'd like to fuck. Okay. And the, the, the G here signifies grand. You know how, like, we do that with, like, generations of family? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what about so just, how's like... The, how's the, the Gil beer? um it's uh um you know it tastes like something that you could like if you were to like see it from far away you would think like you could get really excited about it you know yeah and potentially even like fetishize like the concept of a german irish lager yeah. Um, just like, but then when you taste it, it's actually just really complicated. Just like people see the German Irish me and fetishize me, and then they get to know me and they just realize that I'm really complicated. Um. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um. That. Uh, sure. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't say that's what I was thinking of. Um. But, uh, yeah, no, that works. I didn't even make the connection. Uh, shame on me for not making the, the German-Irish connection to you. Like, at, yeah. My first name is Irish and my last name is German. I know, <laughs> anyway. I know, I know. That's, that is a, that's a, I've failed as a friend by not making that connection. And I'm sorry. Um, no, but, like, I... I have to disagree. This beer is not that great. Um, so I, I can't. It's, it is in no way a worthy comparison. Yeah. It's, it is a is. mere coincidence. It has, it has nothing. Uh, there's no substance to any other comparison. <laughs> uh, so that's the final verdict on that one. 
But I'll drink it. I'll drink it because it's here and it's urban. And I have like like four more in the fridge. Um, I'm gonna so. I'm gonna say a thing while I wait for you to pull up time that is and actually do the clap. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is I I'm so I like just prefer Kieran Ichiban and I, I get it most of the time if I want like a, a basic sort of um you know like this like style of like it's just like a very drinkable light beer. Um mm-hmm. not like light in the the actual sense, but like in just in terms of flavor. Right? Like my equivalent of like when you want to get a shitty beer and you kind of just have all sorts of shitty beers. Um mm-hmm. I just like Kieran Ichiban where it's just like it's just like malt. Right? Like, it's just, like, a malt beer. There's, like, nothing else really going on with it. Um, and I was drinking it, uh, it and thinking about, like, the flavor a little bit. I, I kind of feel... Maybe this is incorrect. People can debate me on this right into the question bucket. Um, I kind of feel like Kieran Ichiban's kind of the Paps Blue Ribbon of, like, Japanese beers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. It's not. It's not, like, quite at, like... Pabst Blue Ribbon is just extremely sweat and guitar strings to me. Like, there's just what it tastes like. Um, <laughs> the association and, of, like, where you drink PBR is just so strong for you at this point. Yeah, but also, like, it has, like, a pronounced metallic taste compared to other stuff. Like, even, like, everything out of cans, like, still there's, like, a certain pronounced, like, metallic quality to Pabst Blue Ribbon to me. Um, but but I feel like Karen Ichiban, it's, like, it's not quite as like jarring in that way. Um, not to say that like Pabst Ribbon like punches you in the face, but it's like, it has like this, like a slightly harsher bit. And I feel like it's a little bit more mellow, um, but it's almost in this, like, I don't know. This is, and some of this is also just the association of like when I've had this too, but like, this feels like, this feels like you're a little bit older and you're not like at the punk show, but you're at the like slightly, you're still at the like bar that would do punk shows. It's just like after the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you're it's like, like you're yeah, like yeah, eating yeah. bar food and like kind of hanging out and it's like way too late. Or you're like at the show, but you're like watching it from the bar, you know? Yeah. Like you're, you're not in like the, the standing area because you know, yeah, you know, your back's not what yeah. it used to be, and like, you know, is it really worth it? Like, I can hear even I can hear better from the bar. Like, the sound quality is better, and I can just like relax and drink a beer. You know? Yeah. Like that stage of maturity. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I could see that. It's a it's a little bit more mellow. It's a little bit warmer. Hmm. You know? Okay. Not in terms of like actual temperature, but like in terms of like tone. Well, I would hope not. Yeah, because then it's basically just, as we know, it's it's basically just like, abs just piss if it yeah. gets above like refrigerated temperature. Uh, give me a number to clap on. Um, ninety three. Oh, you mean time? Ah. About it. Okay, never mind. Sorry. I was gonna be like Connor. You know, you know how seconds work, right? Yeah. <laughs> you said number. Um, well, yeah. Confused me for a second. Uh, we're gonna do nine. 